Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello, and welcome to another podcast episode. Uh, Today I am joined by Sheryl Das, who is the Regional Director of the Legal Resources Center. She's based in South Africa. And in today's podcast episode, we will talk a little bit about the Global Coalition for Tech Justice. Now, this is a new coalition um, that has just launched. It launched last Friday on the 15th of September. And I'll just read a little bit about what this movement is about, uh, just to give you a sense. So this is off their website, and I'll share their URL just after reading this, but it goes like this. In 2024, more than 2 billion people will go to the polls in 65-plus elections across the world in the biggest elections mega cycle so far this century. But the spread of online disinformation, hate speech, abuse, and manipulation is threatening democracy and freedoms everywhere. The Global Coalition for Tech Justice brings together activists, civil society, journalists, academics, experts, and concerned citizens And so they ask that um, people join this worldwide movement to demand big tech make online platforms safe for us all. Now, you can find out a little bit more about um, this uh, collective via the website yearofdemocracy.org. That is yearofdemocracy.org. Anyway, I am joined by Sheryl Das, as I've mentioned, to discuss a little bit more about this coalition, um, elections, elections. and the differences and nuances of how big tech companies approach hate speech and misinformation and disinformation on social media platforms, you know, depending on which countries are involved, because we do know that there tends to be more of a focus on Western countries rather than uh, countries of the global south or the global majority. And so we talk a little bit more about that and think through how this new coalition might be useful to tackle uh, those very pressing issues. So yeah, have a listen and please do get in touch if anything is of particular interest to you. All right, let's get right into it. Today, I am joined by Sheryl Das um, with the Legal Resources Center. Uh, we're going to have a discussion today about uh, a new, interesting and exciting coalition that um, aims to old, hold uh, tech companies to account, um, especially in light of elections and oncoming elections in 2024. There's many places in the world, uh, large democracies that are going to have quite uh, significant elections. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that, as well as the work that Legal Resources Center does. So I will ask uh, Sheryl to introduce herself, tell us a little bit about the work that Legal Resources Center does and particularly how that relates to tech. Thank you again for joining. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yes, I'm Sheryl Das. I'm the regional director of the Legal Resources. I'm based in Cape Town, beautiful Cape Town, um, where um, lots of uh, major events have happened um, over the past couple of years, uh, Mm -hmm. notably um, when Nelson Mandela was released um, Mm -hmm. from prison and he had his first major uh, speech on the steps of City Hall here in Cape Town. 
So it's, mm. it's a very significant moment for us as the LRC. Mm. Um, we were established in 1979, uh, mm-hmm. predominantly to challenge apartheid laws and mm. defend human rights activists who were striving for freedom. Post-1994, we mm. have our focus has shifted towards realizing the transformative constitutional values that was promised in 1994 as we moved into the dawn of a new democracy. Mm. Um, And a large part of the LRC work was crafting that constitution. We Mm. um, were instrumental in um, developing a very progressive constitution with a very progressive Bill of Rights um, that guaranteed not just civil and political rights, uh, but also socioeconomic rights. Mm. And, and and we sit here today um, where there's lots of threats to that very fragile constitutional democracy. And this mm. is why the LRC saw it fit to um, look at the major threats that, um, you know, that, po- that poses um, a threat to all of the gains that we have made, not just as a, you know, um, social movement lawyering, but but also um, all of the, uh, you know, human rights defenders and freedom fighters that have fought very hard for these political gains. And one of the major threats that we've identified is the the manipulation and threats of of ad tech and big tech companies um, Mm. and, and the change in landscape of how information ecosystems have worked. And, mm-hmm. and so this is the reason why we've, um, you know, we've taken the decision um, to get into tech justice um, mm. because we see that as, as as one of the major threats to our democracy. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, very long history of the work that you are doing and, um, you know, now bringing it into the tech space. Um, and what what does tech justice mean um, for someone who might not know what what that refers to? I think it encompasses a lot of things, and we you know we we're very um, wise to use the word tech justice because mm-hmm. we don't want to center it around, for example, big tech, but it's really around how technology has influenced the human rights discourse mm-hmm. and how it's undermined certain human rights standards that have uh, that people you know globally have fought for um, mm. and, and we see that that the emerging technologies and uh, particularly ad tech businesses who mm. uh, whose, whose business model is really around um, harvesting people's data um, mm. infringing upon people's privacy rights um, giving a platform that spreads hate and disinformation, and we believe that the emerging anti-rights, when I say anti-rights movement, is really the emerging discourse around um, a shift away from um, from respecting uh, human rights to more mm. aggressive polarization, the rising in populist uh, politics, and these are mm. all being played out um, through uh, you know tech platforms. And, mm. and what we want is tech platforms to respect human rights. Right. Um, we want them to place human rights above their profits. And, mm. and currently, is heavily skewed in, in favor of a, of a platform 
that has absolutely no accountability for um, for people's human rights across the globe. Mm-hmm. And and in line with that work, uh, I know that uh, September 15 is a very significant day for you yourselves and your collaborators. Um, the the launch that's the launch of the Global Coalition for Tech Justice, um, which is this newly formed global movement um, to ensure that big tech companies play their role in protecting um, elections and citizen rights and freedoms globally um, with a particular focus on, you know, obviously the bigger companies that are Meta or Facebook as we know it, uh, Google, which also owns YouTube, uh, Twitter and TikTok um, because of this negligence that you've noted. Could you tell me just a little bit more about this coalition and, you know, what 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 it's going to actually be doing? I think, you know, to take a step back, we... You know, we've all been working differently across the globe. So in the African region, there's a lot of uh, networks that are focused on, um, on on tech justice, be it around yeah. access to internet, digital inclusiveness, internet shutdowns and censorship, as well right. as, uh, you know, protecting elections. And, yeah. and, and we've been working, uh, you know, in silos or regionally, but not globally. And, mm. and and there's a lot of uh, organizations that have been pushing the agenda on making uh, big tech companies accountable. Yeah. And and we got together and said that there's a there's a need to uh, come together in solidarity mm-hmm. um, because there's a there's power in 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 a single voice. Um, right. And especially leveraging. Um, uh, the the voices of the you know the, the the global north who have been successful in um, in holding big tech accountable um, we mm-hmm. felt that it, it it was it was good for us to come together in solidarity uh, because we we essentially seeking the same things that we right. want to make the platforms safer for users and we want to be able to uh, ensure that big tech companies equitably resource safeguarding mechanisms across the globe rather than only focus on um, on jurisdictions where they are headquartered or, right. or have a stronger you know a political pressure upon them to, to, to change their business model and to be more uh, incorporate more human rights standards in within within their business model and so this mm-hmm. is why we got together we are over 140 organizations that have committed to uh, uh, to the work around um, around tech justice, um, and and one of the the first campaigns that we um, are launching on Friday is the 2024 Year of Democracy campaign, mm-hmm. and and we saw that as a as a very um, you know a, 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 a very strong entry point into the work that the coalition is going to do in in years to come. And we mm-hmm. saw that because over 70 65 countries are holding elections next year, including wow. South Africa, the yeah. United States and 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 the uh, and, and the UK. And we felt mm-hmm. that it was a significant event that could uh, put pressure on big tech companies to ensure that countries, particularly in the global south or the global majority, are mm-hmm. taken as seriously as they take elections in the United States, for example. Mm-hmm. And and this is where the the coalition was born, and this campaign is really our first campaign 
where we are asking big tech uh, companies to ensure the integrity of this global election cycle in 2024. Right, right. Um, and, and you mentioned that that very diverse group of countries that are having elections, you know, the U.S., the, the largest democracy, Western democracy, um, India, another very big player, um, and, and these countries in the EU, as well as, you know, Egypt, and Tunisia, South Africa. Um, now, those are places with very different uh, electoral systems, um, electoral ecosystems, cultures and, and the like. So when it when when we're talking about a very big coalition in this way, where systems and the social media companies operate very differently according to those contexts, how then do you come together to ensure? You know, I guess you can't have uniform reforms, obviously, but how how do you uh, navigate systems that are more closed than than ones that are more open, or ones that you know tech companies spend or more time or focus on than others? The one thing I would say is that the coalition was very deliberate in ensuring that uh, the voices of, 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 of those marginalized uh, communities are heard. And mm-hmm. when I say communities, I'm, I'm talking about the global community. And mm-hmm. for a large part of um, this uh, issue, you know, our voices as the global majority are, are not heard. We usually right. in the past have been dictated to. This is what right. we feel is good for Africa, for example. Mm-hmm. And and we were very deliberate in ensuring that African voices, for example, are heard and that the issues that affect us in terms of tech justice are heard. And so mm-hmm. when we co-created this campaign and, and, and this coalition, um, the demands that we are making reflects the collective voices of, of, of the global majority. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, you know, so, so we feel represented and we mm-hmm. feel that the ask that we are, or the, the demands reflects what we want. For example, we, you know, um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of our work will be centered around ensuring that there's equitable uh, provision of resourcing or safeguarding resources um, uh, leading up to the 2024 elections. So mm-hmm. we're asking Big Tech to develop equitable action plans that incorporates uh, human rights standards and electoral standards in every country. So country-specific uh, action plans that will mm-hmm. consider the cultural, the socio-political, and the um, the the, uh, the 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 political scorecard, let's say, of mm-hmm. each particular country. So in South mm-hmm. Africa, we want to ensure that they understand the nuances within our democracy. You know, mm. the fact that we have third, twelve official languages, mm. um, and that the predominant languages are, you know these languages and we must ensure that you have enough content moderators that can moderate in those four particular languages. We want to mm. ensure that whatever um, recommender systems you're using or whatever full AI filters you are using uh, around content moderation is programmed to ensure that within the South African context, you are mm. able to moderate in those official languages. Um, mm. We want to ensure that 
so, so in South Africa, for example, we don't have, um, you know, we, we don't have an issue around internet shutdowns or censorship. It might be very minimal as compared to countries, um, other countries like uh, um, Zimbabwe, for example, or Kenya, or um, Ethiopia, where where governments um, have actively, uh, um, you know, shut down internets during crucial periods like elections or, or before. And we also mm. want to ensure that, um, that in countries where the electoral systems are weaker, mm. that that these action plans or these human um, these these um, human rights assessments are considering the fact that uh, that 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 the electoral system is weak, and so they they need to ensure that um, election disinformation, for example, is taken down. Incitement mm-hmm. to violence is, is is taken down rapidly because right. of the urgency uh, or the real life harm that could cause because of the economic or social political context in that in that particular country. Right. Right. So I mean. Obviously, we've seen, you know, you've, you're one of the collaborators you've worked with, Global Witness, which has done these different um, tests. And we'll talk about one of the, um, you know, cases that that they, that you collaborated with in the South African context. We've seen them collaborate with different partners to try to um, see if, you know, these big tech companies would take down um uh, content that was intentionally created as you know to test if insightful and I mean insightful as an incitement to violence um, if content of that nature would pass through the content moderation gate and get pu- published and uh, you know a, a lot of the times it mm. proves that it does get published now you know this is happened in Kenya last year which you know Kenya is one of the countries which we'd like to believe is on the radar of at least on the African continent you know, one of the countries that people actually pay attention to because of the history of, you know, electoral violence, 2007. Uh, and yet, you know, this this content that was both in English and Swahili still went through, you know, these social media companies, content, content moderation. So, you know, when we look at these countries and we say we would want to have that uniform approach, and I'm trying to imagine if that would happen in the context of the U.S., where, you know, I, I don't believe that if there was hateful content of that nature in 2024 uh, or even 2022 when this election happened, that it would go through. Uh, how do we then, you know, really put each other on, on an equal footing? Because I think there is obviously a, a, a bigger focus or attention paid to Western countries and their electoral processes versus countries of this global majority. Absolutely, I think there's. I mean, there's two. There's two issues. The one that there's, there's a there's a there's very um, slanted focus on on the United States, mm. um, and in and content moderation is really done uh, mostly, or the design, or the 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 uh, the, the way that uh, big tech companies have, have 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 looked at content moderation is heavily skewed in favor of the uh, global north context or the western mm. context mm. and um and and with our investigations with global witness um you know we have demonstrated how this in- inequity impacts countries um in the global south mm. um there's been extensive research done on 
on on this uh, equity, inequity dilemma. Um, the mm. fact that the, these big tech companies deliberately invest more in English uh, moderation or English platform moderation, as, mm. um, and and it also demonstrates that the AI filter is also not programmed within the context of other languages or non-speaking English countries. Mm. Um, so this is we have identified this as a a crucial problem um, mm-hmm. that we want big tech to address. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, so, so at the, the one hand, it's really around, you know, investments in resource, in safeguarding mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's also around input in in regulation, in regulating um, ad tech companies or big tech companies. Currently, mm-hmm. We, as, as, as people in the global south, have little input in the design and the development of regulations um, of, of, of tech companies. And mm. that also means that, um, you know, that there's, 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 a, there's high investment in, in the Western context um, um, as opposed to, uh, to, you know, to the, to the, to the great majority. And, mm. and, you know, I think that this is deliberately so. Um, mm. It's because we we don't have really a, a hook. Uh, we we can't hold them before our parliament um, mm. because we just don't have that kind of political pressure to do so. We mm. don't have the mechanisms to hold Mark Zuckerberg before our parliament to question mm. why uh, he's. Um, you know, there's little investment in content moderation outside of the United States, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we saw that as as a problem, as in a challenge. And this mm-hmm. is why this is one of the asks, is that we want equitable resource provisioning uh, to ensure that the platforms are safe, not just for U.S., um, for, for, for people in the U.S. or for English-speaking countries, but um, but in but but across the globe. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something really interesting about, you know, the the jurisdiction of tech companies. It's almost like, um, you know, they they work globally, but then they don't work within the national frameworks. They, you know, they they're beholden to the laws of the countries that they're headquartered in. And so, I, I'm very interested to know how then this coalition will work to actually hold them accountable in in context specific. Um, areas we've seen as well. I mean, in, with content moderation, the the, the issues with um, content moderators, particularly in Kenya, they're being underpaid, they're being overworked, but then they're not. They can't be held accountable to the labor laws of the country because you know they're not actually contracted mm-hmm. that way. So how then does this coalition work to hold co- companies, tech companies, um, accountable? Given that our you know our governments are also not very proactive in holding them accountable. Yeah. You know, I think in in uh, in the work of the, not just, you know, the coalition is fairly new, mm-hmm. but, um, but uh, some of our members have been extremely successful in highlighting the, uh, the challenges faced by uh, Global South users uh, mm-hmm. by naming and shaming platforms. And by leveraging activists and very highly influential people in the United States, the media, um, to actually highlight the, 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 
you know, the threats mm-hmm. uh, that are posed to global. And that has resulted in, um, in, in the platforms actually changing their, their, uh, their business models and how they approach content moderation, for example. Um, mm-hmm. After Global Witness did uh, uh, an investigation around um, the, uh, um, the 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 call for genocide of of, of people of the Rohingya people in in Myanmar, for example, mm. but uh, you know um, um, platforms did respond after the results of the investigation were released, and mm. did commit to uh, employing more content moderators. Um, mm-hmm. within, you know, within the, the local context. Similar sort of results happened in Brazil around, uh, you know, election disinformation. Um, once presented with the evidence of, uh, of, a, of a failure to implement their own policies around disinformation and particularly protecting democratic processes, um, they did, you know, promise to do better. It wasn't 100% better, but it was mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And so we feel that with enough pressure and with, you know, everyday new organizations joining and supporting this campaign, we believe mm-hmm. that there, there'll be enough pressure created on these platforms to mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. develop action plans, um, mm-hmm. which will include fully and equitably resourcing these plans to ensure that each country in which they have a presence um, is given the same sort of uh, attention that 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 the US elections, for example, get mm-hmm. or the or the UK elections. Mm-hmm. It's not um, you know, we, we we do believe that this, you know, the collective solidarity of the coalition will not only create awareness of the impact of, of, of tech on democracy and human rights, but it will also, um, you know, slowly lead towards uh, our own countries also, you know, stepping up and saying, hang on, you know, mm-hmm. we are, we are, we, you know, we are, we are allowing these platforms to make, mm-hmm millions of, of, of dollars from mm. uh, from our users, but we are protecting our users against them and against mm-hmm. their, their their business. So that's the so that's the strategy. We want to create awareness, we want to create political pressure on them, but we also want our governments to take um, to take notice that mm-hmm. uh, that there's a need for regulation. And I'm saying our governments, but I would, you know, what the LRC would like to see happening is that the um, African Union um, mm-hmm. then uh, looks to place this on the agenda um, mm-hmm. to ensure that, you know, the continent is um, is protected and there's mechanisms to hold these platforms accountable for human rights uh, abuses or for infringements or violations that affect the continent. Um, mm. and, and, and what was interesting when you when you spoke about uh, Kenya and the content moderation uh, is an interesting case that was taken up by, uh, that is currently taken up by Fox Club mm-hmm. um, uh, around the uh, content moderators and um, 
and also around the the you know the the the, the number of people that were killed in Ethiopia, um, mm. where there was you know online calls for violence uh, during that time, and 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 a lot of people lost their lives. Um, mm. Had a direct link within incitement to violence on on online platforms. So mm. what was interesting about that was aside from um, you know, it was a it was a case that was accepted by the Kenyan courts uh, in mm-hmm. terms of jurisdiction, and and it was interesting because they they used the jurisdiction argument uh, based on the fact that the content moderators were based in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So the content moderators for Africa were based in Kenya, and mm-hmm. it was interesting for me because other than that, other than the courts, Kenyan courts. Uh, really accepting that they do have jurisdiction over over these platforms of Facebook, uh, in particular Meta, uh, we would not have any mechanism in Africa yeah. to hold them accountable. We would have to go to the U.S. courts or to Ireland, where wow. uh, where Meta is headquartered, and that that's a challenge for Africans, you know, um, and essentially Global South users because we don't have we don't have a, a, a court that has jurisdiction to hold them accountable for harms caused by their platforms. Mm. And and so I think that the Kenyan uh, court, it hasn't, of, of course, the case has not been finalized yet. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Kenyan courts are prepared to hear the matter, I think, is a victory for mm. um, Africans. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, this coalition is, you know, big um, organizations globally working in different areas, policy, legal, you know, uh, others are, you know, implementers of, of campaigns themselves. Um, how does someone get involved if they might not be part of, you know, one of these organizations, but still want to somehow uh, contribute? Do you have a a, a focus as well for individuals or smaller um, organizations or groups of collectives that want to participate? The coalition is open to anyone that wants to join, mm-hmm. uh, individuals, organizations. We do have a um, a, a code that, that, again, was co-created by, uh, you know, the members of the coalition or the steering committee. Um, and and it's really a commitment to sign um, to be part of the to the coalition to behind to to get behind our objectives and mm-hmm. and and to to ensure you know representations across the platform. So it's mm-hmm. not exclusive um, mm-hmm. to particular groups of people. And the more support we can get, the more you know, influence and power we can have to to actually meet our objectives. So it's mm. it, it's definitely not an exclusive club, mm-hmm. and and I think that the idea is to encourage more people to join the coalition, to um you know to to tell their stories because it's not just around you know legal experts and policy experts and it's it's you know journalists um have been mm. included. Or have have joined the the the, the call to join the uh, the coalition, um, mm-hmm. you know, people that are actually directly impacted by online abuse and and uh, online infringements have joined to tell their stories because this is not just about the demands we're making on um, 
on on the platforms on on big tech platforms but it's also about us telling the story or of how these harms impact people every every day um mm. that 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 seemingly just you know uh, travels under the radar and and people don't really understand how how big a problem this is and mm. and how this will affect you going you know forward you know people question how is it possible that in a country like the united states uh that uh you know that a group of people can storm the capitol building mm. you know people question like how 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 is this happening is this really happening mm. and 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 it didn't happen overnight mm. you know it's just that we weren't aware of, of the power and influence of of social media and inciting uh people mm. uh you know and distorting the truth and mm. spreading of fake news and how this can re- actually lead to real life consequences mm. and and people I, i think people need to understand that 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 it's not if we don't guard against it if we don't take steps now it's actually mm. going to get out of control mm. and i think that's what we that's the the coalition wants to do that is to encourage people to become aware of the harms and we do this through encouraging people to tell their stories mm. um and and how this impacts you know human rights and democracy across the globe mm. now we've had topical um elections in Nigeria and Zimbabwe this year and you know 2024 we have South Africa having elections and you have already done some of this work testing you know what um incitement online looks like in in the south african context could you tell me a little bit more about um the investigation that you did um recently with global witness on this on this topic so so we have we have had an issue around you know the spread of xenophobic hate hmm. and it's not you know it 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 it's a it's an issue that comes up um regularly uh, mm-hmm. so much so that the un has said that we are sitting in um essentially in, in a hotbed where things could explode at any time and and it's really around them monitoring um how xenophobic hate has spread um we've had incidences you know as far back as 2008 which was a major xenophobic incident in south africa mm-hmm. where lots of uh non-nationals lost their lives mm-hmm. um you know we uh and so we recognize that that the, that group of people are extremely vulnerable uh yeah. leading up to to election mm-hmm. um there has been a concerted effort on platforms to um on on online pla- social media platforms um to spread this hate there's mm-hmm. designated accounts uh with hash- hashtags like put south africa first mm. is movements like operation dudula mm. whose sole purpose is to spread um uh, online hate uh targeting non-nationals um mm. and calling them you know calling for violence mm. so we decided um to conduct a test with global witness to mm. test um you know whether uh 
whether the platforms could uh, recognize uh, xenophobic hate and incitement to violence uh, within the South African context. Mm-hmm. So we we did this, we tested three platforms, which is uh, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And what we did was we uh, we took we pulled out real life examples, so real life uh, content from from um, from these platforms, um, you know, uh, 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 like Put South Africa First or Operation Dodula or um, what is commonly known as the RET Brigade, which is supporters of, of uh, the former president, Jacob Zuma. Mm. And we pulled out uh, real-life examples of hate, and, and, and these were really vile and derogatory words uh, referring to uh, non-nationals um, in South Africa. So, so words that are very uh, familiar to South Africans, not might be familiar to people outside of South Africa. So we have a, 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 a word that, that, that means foreigner, but it's highly offensive to foreigners here in South mm-hmm. Africa. It's an M word. We use the K word, which is, uh, which is also offensive to all black South Africans, um, but but we use that word to to determine whether these platforms would actually pick up that that's mm. a, that word. Um, we used Afrikaans words that uh, that I used. It's it's you know it's a swear word. It's called futsek, um, mm. but it's a very common word used in South Africa. Um, mm. Now Facebook recognizes you know English speaking um, uh, offensive words, so their content moderation policies specifically uh, 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 will flag words like the F word or the B word or whatever. They would, they would be able to flag that because that is very, it's, 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 it's a very uh, uh, recognizable words in the U.S. But they wouldn't recognize, or we, we said let's test whether they recognize words right. like footstep or, or, you know, so South African swear words. And right. and so we we then you we, we, we submitted, we 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 took the content and we translated into three other languages. So we, we submitted in English, Afrikaans, Prosa, uh, and Isizulu. And, mm-hmm. and so the, that's the four most spoken languages in South Africa. So the same right. content, calling for violence against non-nationals, referring to them as diseases, using derogatory words like the K word and, and the, the M word, and, and and we submitted these to the platforms. In total, we submitted 118 ads mm. um, to Facebook, YouTube, and and and, and TikTok. Um, Facebook rejected two of the ads, and that mm. uh, and 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 that was the ads calling for violence against non-nationals. But they rejected the ads in English and they rejected it in Afrikaans. But the mm. very that very same ad was accepted in Osa. And in Isizulu, so mm. it was it was clear from this investigation that that they did not um, number one have they could not recognize hate speech outside the American context, um, yeah. and secondly, there's not enough content moderators, and thirdly, mm. um, the AI models were not designed to to recognize South African specific. Uh, derogatory words or hate speech or incitements to violence. Mm. Um, so, so it was clear for us that 
you know that uh, and 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 we did send the uh, we did write to the platforms and and ask for their response to the evidence that we presented and the response was really dismissive like you know things fall through the cracks so you know we don't uh, we are very concerned about hate speech and we take it seriously but never really answering why is it that 116 mm. ads were accepted where they blatantly um violated your own content moderation policies mm. and rules mm. um so so that was just a snapshot of mm. of of and i think it's a, it's a very good it's 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 very good for us to use you know real life investigations in order to demonstrate uh the inequitable implementation of content moderation outside the us or western context mm. And so I suppose this is where the coalition starts to become this powerful force because I mean if as a country you're trying to hold this you know these companies to account and they can be dismissive in the ways that you've mentioned if you have this coalition of big actors globally who can also raise the sound or the alarm on the situation then you know I mean if if you have western companies who are western organizations who are also talking about it I'm sure there's you know just that more impetus for those companies to actually respond in equitable ways i think yes absolutely that is why uh we feel that this coalition is is uh, is is going in the right direction mm-hmm. um and that the more people that we that we bring on board the more mm-hmm. influence uh we can have over uh over over uh the you know the the way that big tech um addresses uh elections next year addresses how they're going to how they're going to uh, prepare their platforms to make it safer uh, for elections next year so i think that that's you know and this is why we think it's, a, it's it's really around solidarity it's about bringing people together it's about bringing highly influential people so that we can actually have a a foot in the door because yeah. the LRC alone cannot do it yes mm. we've got this, we've got the evidence we we can we can demonstrate that that there's a there's a huge gap between between our ready or the platform's readiness in south africa with the platform's readiness in the us and and we would not it's just we would not be able to reach that uh the door of meta for example mm. um without leveraging um the partners that we have in this network in this coalition thank you so much this has been such a very generative uh, conversation and you know i think in- introducing people to to ways that they can also express their own um their own experiences of i suppose feelings of powerlessness and coming together and and finding our power uh in in fighting um back or speaking back to tech companies so that we can be heard um in conclusion is there anything that you know you'd want people to know further um or anything else that you feel that we might not have discussed that's important for people to know i think it's important um for people to start realizing the the potential for harm and and uh, you know of, of of an unregulated or unaccountable uh social media platform or big tech platform um i think that you need to become particularly digitally literate uh to ensure that you that you 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 know uh truths from lies 
that you know what these companies are, are doing with your data and that um, that it's time for you to actually take back control because I think a lot of people are losing control uh, by, you know, by, by just uh, blindly um, trusting uh, big tech platforms. And so it's around taking back control and this is one step in the in the right direction around um, getting involved in the in the coalition for for tech justice. It's about understanding what the dangers are, and it's about committing. Um, it's about everybody committing in solidarity to ensure that you do have, you know, the opportunities to uh, engage globally with people on 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 big tech platforms. But you shouldn't do it naively. Um, yeah. That you shouldn't take it. You, sh- you shouldn't, you know, uh, accept the harms uh, in favor of the of the privileges that you have. Mm-hmm. I think there's a balance that we have to reach around being able to access uh, big tech, um, but at the same time making sure that it's a safe platform for every user across the globe. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for this very insightful conversation. I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best with your continuing work and with the launch of the coalition. Thank you very much.